0: faithwire.com record-breaking tornadoes ravage the country but stories of heroes and hope are starting to pour in today's monday december 13th 2021 i'm dan andros we'll have this top story and more on today's four and three podcast from cbn's faith wire four big stories three things you need to know about them all from a christian perspective that's what we do here you can find us on itunes go ahead and subscribe over there don't miss an episode we are here Monday through Friday, would love to have you with us. With me, as always, Trey Goins Phillips, Billy Hallowell from CBN's FaithWire. Happy Monday to you guys!
1: Live
2: in the dream, yes. as always. Yes. Indeed. Hello, hello. So I'm going to talk about this story that is—it's been blowing up on social media, on our Facebook, and on our YouTube channel. It's incredible. It's this 18-year-old girl who lost her father. It's a heartbreaking story, but. Her testimony during her eulogy hmm. uh, is just incredible. So we'll get into all those details and how she's processing her dad's death through the gospel. It's, it's, it's awesome.
1: And we'll also be talking about JK Rowling, you know, the Harry Potter author. She's in trouble again for another tweet she sent on the <laughs> transgender issue. And it's there's sort of an interesting backstory around that. So we'll talk about that. And we'll also talk about the UPenn swimming team speaking out over a trans teammate, um, stealing all the thunder.
0: Yeah, crazy stuff. And she's getting the hate, as you'd expect, but um, a tough stand for truth, and so we'll go, we'll go cover that and we'll look forward to that story. But we're going to start with the big story of the weekend, and that's, uh, man, these twisters all across the Midwest and the South that leveled just entire communities, and there's at least 14 people dead in four other states. Um, Kentucky was the worst hit, and um, it was just devastation. And a, a candle factory uh, was one of the scenes that stood out as being one of the more Uh, devastating scenes, and this was in Kentucky, and we have the story on faithwire.com from Billy uh, talking about this Kentucky man who was trapped in that collapsed candle factory, and um, his wife recalled the the moments during which she was just praying with her husband over the phone telling him to keep fighting and that God would work it out. This was Courtney Saxton, 38, and uh, her husband, Mark, and he had called her Friday night in the wake of this building collapsing down. If you've seen the if you've seen it, guys, I mean the it's just unbelievable. It's like something out of a movie. If a movie did it, you would think it's fake. I mean, it looks ridiculous. It's this huge factory and it's just reduced to rubble. Uh, and he was trapped in there and somehow managed to make a call. And um, you know, according to the Associated Press, said he was calling us, hollering and screaming and crying because he was stuck. And this is the wife saying it was scary for me because I'm thinking, oh, my God, is is he going to make it? So I prayed with him over the phone, too. I just kept talking to him, kept telling him that God will work it out. Be strong. Don't give up. Keep fighting. And so he kept fighting, and he survived the whole thing with just minor scrapes and bruises. Um, but he did lose a cousin in the storms, Robert Daniels, so um, who was actually at the same uh, site. So just just a horrible sequence of storms going across the country but number 2 on this one guys we are seeing some things that are unifying and hopeful in the midst of this for uh example one of the great videos going viral this morning uh is uh, a man uh Jim Finch who just drove down to Kentucky to a town that he grew up in and he was it, it's just devastated all the buildings are flattened around and uh, someone came up to him and decided to ask him what he was doing there, and he brought a grill and food and some water. And so here's uh, a little bit of that uh, interaction.
2: Trying to feed the people. What, what are we cooking? Uh, hamburger, chicken, I got sausage, eggs.
0: Uh, just a little simple stuff that you can have and not have to worry about making a mess or you
2: know, grabbing old type of food. Are you from the area? I was born in Paducah. But I came down here today from the of you. you came out here just to cook for people. Wow. You have a restaurant or are
0: you? No sir. <laughs> just needed to be done. No, no, sir, he said, just needed to be done. So uh, great words there. and there was also this uh, it was kind of dystopian in a way, guys, but this video of um, a man playing his piano and playing a, a worship tune on that piano in his house that had no roof and was half destroyed. And there's just debris everywhere, but his piano survived it. And so he's playing this worship song, um, kind of clearly indicating that, you know, still giving thanks to God in the midst of this trial and this crazy storm, literal storm. Um, So you're seeing images like that come out and people helping and sending stuff. I know Operation Blessings involved, Samaritan's Purse involved. So many are just leaping into action to help. So those are the things... That We see and there was a church service by the way right across the street from Jim Finch who was cooking on his on his smoker grill out there and uh, they just had an impromptu sort of church service in the parking lot because everything was devastated around it so seeing people come together in the midst of this is always uplifting despite the obvious devastation around so number three why does it matter guys Uh, you know I think we can focus on such silly things in America and so when we're reminded of just the fragility of life and our shared humanity. These are the sorts of things, unfortunately, sometimes it takes to uh, make us remember that.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah. you know, I, the be, in the best of times, right, you know, we can sort of react and, and forget how, you know, we need to be there for one another. In the worst of times, I think we really see people come out of their shell and, and go and, and do for others. And, you know, to me, I've learned the best lessons in my life in the hardest times. And these are just unimaginable things that have happened to these people. Um, and you know, I've just been praying for not just the, not just the physical loss, right. But the emotional toll that these sorts of events take on people, seeing these things develop and watching, you know, as we, you saw in the story that you were just referencing, um, you know, that guy was talking about watching all the other people around him who were trapped in that rubble and being so grateful to be alive in the midst of what he saw. So I always remember that part of it too.
2: Yeah. And I think it's a good reminder of, um, the importance of extending kindness and extending help to other people who are in need. Uh, Because, you know, we see so often when people do something good, the person who is the recipient of whatever act of kindness that is, they're like, oh, well, I need to pay you or I need to buy you something or I need to, to do something for you. It's like, no, I just like, you don't need to, You don't need to incentivize me to do something good Mm -hmm. uh, for you. Like, I just want to help you out of the kindness of my heart. Uh, And so many people around the country, around the world, want to do that. And it's really cool to see that happen, to see faith in action in, in stories like the like this, because it kind of restores some of your hope in humanity and uh, in, in the the belief that God is still moving in people's lives and he's still using them as his hands and feet uh, around the world. So um, definitely, this is a good reminder of mm-hmm. uh, of the importance of leaning into our shared humanity, particularly when people are going through such devastating times.
0: Yeah yeah and i I will say i'll fully admit i'm the first one to bash twitter and talk about how awful social media is but (laughs) i probably wouldn't have seen that story if it wasn't for you know the man who shot that interview with uh the guy the volunteer there the good samaritan uh i probably wouldn't have seen it if it wasn't on social so i'll I'll chalk i'll admit it i'll admit it that's a time where social media did some good
2: yeah (laughs) Yeah. i mean you know one time well the Mm -hmm. one time yeah (laughs) No, even a true, broken though. clock is right twice yeah, a day. True, so that's true. You know, uh, it
1: is. It is a good reminder of that, though it is. So yeah. All right. Let's uh, all
2: right. Let's head into story two. So story number two, and this is one also that kind of initially got traction on social media. It got local news coverage, but it wasn't until it, uh, clips of it started being shared on social media that it got uh, a whole lot of traction. Uh, but an 18-year-old girl, her name is Shelby Houston, she tragically lost her dad, a 21-year veteran police officer in the Mesquite Police Department in Texas. Uh, he was doing a routine uh Check. He had had a disturbance call at a local grocery store. Uh, so he went to check on that and he was fatally shot uh, once he got there. Uh, so they held a funeral late last week uh, for the man. His name was Officer Richard Houston. Um, and What his daughter had to say is what has been impacting so many people. They're a Christian family, uh, and it was so clear that she was leaning, again, her name is Shelby, she was leaning on her faith and really offered a countercultural message. She's 18 years old, and she said that she's always had a tough time when her dad uh, would talk to her about uh, assailants who committed some crime, particularly murder. Um, And she said she had a tough time dealing with the fact that so many of these criminals don't know Jesus. Uh, And she said so many people would tell her, well, if that ever happened to somebody you loved, if it happened to your dad or or a friend or another loved one, uh, you wouldn't feel the same way. Uh, And she said that she's feeling that way even now in the wake of her dad's death. And during during the eulogy, she just started crying as she was talking about this. And this is kind of a long quote, uh, but I want to read a portion of what she said. She said, I remember having conversations with, with my dad about losing friends and officers in the line of duty. I've heard all the stories you can think of, but I've always had such a hard time with how the suspect is dealt with. Not that I didn't think there should be justice served, but my heart always ached for those who don't know Jesus, their actions being a reflection of that. It was always, I was always told that I would feel differently if that happened to me, but as it's happened to my father, I think I still feel the same. There's been anger and sadness, grief and confusion, and part of me wishes I could despise the man who did this to my father, but I can't get any part of my heart to hate him. All that I can find is myself hoping and praying for this man to truly know Jesus. I thought this might change if the man continued to live, but when I heard the news that he was in stable condition, part of me was relieved." My prayer is that someday down the road, I'll get to spend some time with the man who shot my father, not to scream at him, not to yell at him, not to scold him, simply to tell him about Jesus. Um, which is just, uh, I couldn't write this story, guys, without like tearing up. It was mm-hmm. such a such a powerful testimony that she was up there saying, you know, I've, I've lost my dad and my priority obviously is the grief, but her next immediate priority is a desire to see her father's killer, come to Christ. Um, and she also talked so much about her dad's faith. This will be number two. She said, I'm resting in the the obedience of my dad to the Lord. In Isaiah 6, 8, it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And, he, and I said, Here I am, send me. I don't think my father ever knew that his yes to the Lord would ever end up being like this, she said. But as I look out at you all today, this is the picture of the faithfulness of Jesus. She said, I know my dad is looking down today with the biggest smile on his face in the arms of Jesus. I know as he entered the gates of heaven, he was greeted with, well done, good and faithful servant. What a moment that was. Hmm. Um, so just a, a, a beautiful testimony. And that's why it matters, right, is that we're seeing a, a Christian grieve differently, how we're as believers supposed to grieve. We're supposed to grieve with hope uh, and to focus on Christ and, and how Christ can be glorified and made known in the midst of tragedy. Um, and it just, we talk so much about bravery in this culture and so much of the bravery we talk about is not actually brave. Um, but this is an instance of real bravery because she's being so countercultural. And she's saying, I'm trusting in in faith that like scripture says, it's, I, I haven't seen it. I don't have evidence of it tangibly, but I still know it to be true. Uh, and she's putting her faith and trust in what she knows in her heart to be true. Uh, and she's leaning on that. And that takes real courage and real bravery. And what a, what a testimony to see her at 18 years old doing something that I don't know about y'all, but I I don't know. I I hope that I would react that way, but I don't yeah. know. Uh, and it's really cool to see her kind of paving the way and giving an example of how we as Christians need to be grieving in the face of such darkness.
0: Yeah, and I think what's telling there, and to your point, Trey, is that we we all kind of think, we look at it and go, there's no way I could do that, even though we know we're supposed to. I think yeah. even she admits she didn't think she'd be able to do that. But yeah. it, it's just evidence that, God's carrying her through that situation. And so I think that's why it's important, because it's evidence of God being there. Right. And so, um, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why that particular testimony is so powerful.
1: Yeah, and, you know, here's the thing. We're always looking for evidence, right? Where is the evidence of faith? Prove that faith exists, and you hear that a lot from atheists. I think these reactions are the types of reactions that are actually proof of the gospel because human nature does not—I mean, it it makes—we want to be angry. We want to lash out, as you were saying, Trey. I mean, these are the things we want to do when something like this happens. The fact that somebody— can muster the courage and ability to get up and not only forgive, but to selflessly seek the salvation of the person who killed their parent. Mm. That mm-hmm. is one of the most remarkable evidences of grace and, and faith in Christianity. And it's not just like this is the only example of it we we see it again and again we've seen it after mass shootings we saw it at the uh yeah you know, the the church shooting a few years back where all of the victims and their spouses you know forgave the shooter a number of them in court i mean this is evidence of the gospel and that to me is one of the big reasons why why it matters
2: mm. and i want to there's just one quote that i want to mention that was probably the most profound to me that she said because it sounds like a quote from somebody who is so seasoned in their faith and is, has been through so much, but at just 18 years old, this is what she said at the end of her eulogy She said, In my deepest wound, I've seen the glory of Jesus and it has astounded me. Um, and I just think that's a such a profound comment yeah. from an 18 year old girl,
0: wise, yeah. wise beyond her years. Uh, absolutely yeah. for sure, and definitely will be continuing to lift her and her family uh, up in our prayers.
1: All right, so our next story, it involves J.K. Rowling. If you're a Harry Potter fan, listen up. Uh, This really has nothing to do with Harry Potter, but it's another (laughs) example of just trying to make sure you're paying attention. Yeah. Of J.K. JK Rowling really speaking up on the transgender issue. And before we get into what she said, this apparently surrounds Scotland. There is um, a, a number of laws that are being proposed there, and the police in Scotland are purportedly going to record rape in a really uh, interesting way, biological males are going to be essentially registered as females if that's how they identify, even if they've made no legal attempt to make a gender change. So if if a biological male commits a rape and says, I am a female, it will be recorded as though it were a female who, who, rape, who committed the rape. And so that has sparked a lot of debate and discussion. And J.K. Rowling posted this tweet. I'm going to read it. She wrote... War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. The penist individual who raped you is a woman. And what mm. she's doing there is obviously juxtapositioning these, these statements and opposites to basically, it seems like, say, this is absurd and ridiculous. And she shared a link to this Times piece the Times out in the UK titled Absurdity of Police Logging Rapists as Women. And so this obviously sparked, I mean, there were 66,000 know, shares and comments on this on Twitter where she wrote it. A lot of people coming after her, of course. Some people thanking her. and And it's really, what's really interesting about this issue, and it's one of the reasons why it matters, is you're seeing really surprising links between people like Richard Dawkins and conservative Christians, right? People who would never maybe intersect on issues coming together, you know, feminists and conservatives. And it's it's really interesting now. Those who are thanking her, there are a number of people who thanked her. Uh, There was one author, uh, Millie Hill, who said, there are some areas in which biological sex matters and rape stats are definitely one. Thank you for continuing to wake people up to these issues. Sex Hmm. matters. And so there were a number of those responses. Of course, a lot of people accusing her of transphobia, of going after the transgender community. And this is not her first rodeo, right? I mean, we we have covered her quite a bit <laughs> at Faith Wire, and this is not an issue she's been willing to back down on. And I don't need to read all the the negative comments. You can imagine what they what they said. You can read our story to see some of them. But she spoke out last December, and Trey, you covered this. She talked about the quote climate of fear that mm-hmm. surrounds this transgender debate, and how she wants to. Mm-hmm. Push back on that. And that this really is a free speech issue. When you talk about why it matters. It matters because every time somebody speaks up and says the truth on this issue, it's like the cancel mob goes crazy. And so, you know, I think this is – here's one thing we know. This is not going to stop here. I'm sure she's going to speak out more. Um, I think this tweet on Sunday is probably evidence that she has no plans of backing down anytime (laughs) soon. Uh, And then just as as a side note, Um, Trey, you covered a story really interesting about this UPenn swimmer, this this transgender biological male who is competing on the female team. This was somebody who was competing on the male team and moved over to the female team and is dominating and beating out all the other people on the team. And at least two of the teammates have spoken out um, anonymously. And that's interesting to me. I think people are very afraid to openly put their name on on anything, right, that that speaks yeah. out on this issue, but saying that this is unfair. And so you can read both of those stories over at Faithwire. Uh, but but just to kind of conclude my remarks and throw it to you guys, this to me seems like whenever you have an issue and people are saying nobody has the right to have any other perspective on this, case closed, it, it kind of makes me worry. And I think that's that's where we're at on this right now. It really is.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is interesting to me. Because um, even that one supporter that you mentioned there, Billy, said, well, you know, uh, this is one of those times where, uh, uh, you know, your, your kind of natural gender, your biological sex actually makes is important. And I think it's important in every instance because this it, we're, this acceptance of just not, not uh, worrying about truth, I, when you just detach yourself from truth and just play along with, you know, somebody's gender identity issue. I mean that I think that has a larger consequence. And you're seeing it play out with stuff like this where now, you know, females are going to be getting lumped into rapists. And uh mm-hmm. that's just not accurate. And so when you were when you're willing to abandon the truth, I think it leads down a dangerous path.
2: Yeah. For sure. And you know, so much of this is is there's a dangerous and sad irony in it because it's coming from a political side that is all about presumably you know they give lip service to all about protecting women and protecting minorities and and protecting children but the reality is that these policies are not just abstract they're having real ramifications and they're most harmful to biological women and to children uh, and we've seen story after story after story about how that's the case uh, and you know there are so many you mentioned Billy, the J.K. Rowling story that I had written a while back. And I at, at that time, if I remember right, she said that she was receiving letters from all of these people um, who were saying, I, I really appreciate you speaking out. I don't want to talk about this publicly, but thank you so much for being a voice. Uh, because I've dealt with these feelings as well, or I'm transgender, and I actually feel the same way as you do on these issues, uh, whatever. So she's received support anonymously. And then we hear about this story about two uh, UPenn uh, swimmers speaking out anonymously after being told uh, that they were strongly advised not to speak out. Uh, So we're seeing a lot of people who are being brave and even if they're not attaching their name to it they're speaking out against this kind of stuff the hope is that eventually um and I know that there are a lot of consequences ad- attached to it potentially but I hope eventually people start attaching their names to it cuz I can't remember who it was who was speaking with Megan Kelly on on her podcast but they said the quickest and best way to reverse a lot of this stuff is not only for people to speak out about it but to be willing to attach their name to it because you know then all it takes is one or two people to do it and then other people start to feel you know emboldened to then attach their names to it because i think the reality is is that a lot of people agree Uh, With with these anonymous critiques, they just are not in a position, they can't sacrifice their livelihoods, right? They're not in a position to be able to speak out. But if it became more commonplace, I think more people would say, hey, I I actually think this is a bit crazy. Well, Uh, yeah. you know? Yeah. And did well, didn't she
1: also say that she was getting letters from people who had you had mentioned they had said they were transgender, but who had who had detransitioned too? to. Yes. Or, yes. Yeah. And, you know, to me that in 2020, I believe it was 2020 who did that that segment and took a lot of heat for it, talking mm-hmm. with people. I mean, if people have these stories, what right does the media have to contain those stories and not tell them? I mean, that is such a malpractice on every single level, including journalistically. And I mean, I've spoken with people in that camp. In fact, I have a podcast yes. interview I'll be doing very soon with somebody who you know, left that lifestyle behind and, and really struggled with it. These are stories that deserve to be told no matter where you stand on the issue.
2: Mm.
0: Absolutely. All right. Hey, guys, uh, not to transition here, but uh, I'm going to... Well, that's probably a poor, <laughs> poor use <laughs> It's
2: like, poor... Uh, <laughs> but um
0: yeah but i'm unintentional no pun intended um but i wanted to throw before we before we head out here on a monday i want to throw in this one story um i want especially billy i'm interested in your take on this one u.n sculpture looks a lot like the end times beast referenced to in daniel 7 and revelation 13 have have you seen this you know to do my best jay leno have you seen this uh did you look at this picture billy did you see this u.n statue
1: in, in passing, in <laughs> passing. I mean, I don't know. Well, I
0: just, well uh. let's just read. All right. So, look, you got to go to, it's on CBNnews.com. Just go on to You'll scroll down. You'll see the article. Oh, dear. You, you got to look at you, You're looking it. at it now? Yeah. So, all right. So, you look at the it picture. Looks like, it kind of looks like you, Trey. No. <laughs> so, all right. So, <laughs> everyone in needed, the audience. By the way, I haven't seen the full thing. We'll give you a second to go there right now. <laughs> all right. You go ahead and go there. Now, let's just read. I'm going to read... Um, Daniel 7, 4. It said, the first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. So, I mean, <laughs> if you look at the statue, I mean, it's pretty... And then in Revelation 13, 2 and 7 says, And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seed and great authority, and it was given to him to make more with the saints, etc., etc. Um, so, I mean... I'm not not saying it's. But why know.
1: would you do I, it? I, and it's got the it's got, I the, rainbow, the it's got the I'm rainbow. It's got the rainbow colors it. on
0: it too. It's got the it's rainbow a, colors on it too. I'm just saying. And
1: uh, and
2: it looks like I don't.
1: <laughs> I don't know what to make of this because it's as though somebody actually is trolling
0: everyone. Right.
2: Right. It looks like someone looked up the verse and thought, you know, that would actually make a cute statue.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. And then, yeah. let's,
2: let's do it. And then wait, here's- and it said, hold on a minute. <laughs> wait a
1: minute. The United Nations photo. Tweet: A guardian for international yes. peace and security sits yeah. on the visitors' plaza. This is a crisis.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, bad. what? Uh, yeah, it's either uh, it's either the ultimate troll or Satan's actually at the UN. I mean, it's just I don't know what else to.
2: I'm hoping for troll. I mean, yeah. <laughs>
1: I don't understand what to make of this. That is, that is so. Trey it does not look like you now that I've fully seen it. I mean, I looked at it in passing earlier, and I was like, oh look at the but the on second flings. thought like, oh, second
2: that's thought. i thought it was trey but it, it was just the corner of my eye it was just the corner of
0: my eye <laughs> um, i was trying
1: to make an antichrist joke trey and it did not go up it but that, go is, up. that is remarkable yeah that is really remarkable it you know.
0: is so uh yeah if you haven't seen the picture head on over to uh, cbn news and uh and then go ahead and just start checking off your bucket list because then obviously we're, <laughs> we're getting pretty close so uh if if <laughs> i don't know i mean if 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 the UN sculpture is anything to uh, be taken seriously. But it is. I mean, it is just remarkable. But uh, all right. Well, on that happy note, with Revelation and End Times headed your way, that is all the time we have for this episode of the 4 and 3 podcast. That's that's a good place to leave it, right? Uh, Yeah. Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Whatever, Dan. (laughs) You're leaving me out to dry on that one. You're you're on your own on that one, Dan. Good. All right. (laughs) Head on over to cbnnews.com faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective and end times beats at the UN. God bless.
2: We'll see you tomorrow.